Good morning. How is everyone today? Oh, it's so good to see you all. We have a wonderful treat today in chapel. I'm uh, thrilled to be able to introduce one of my former students who's going to share a few uh, uh, remarks with us. Rob McFarland is a professor at the Thomas Good Jones School of Law at Faulkner University in Montgomery, Alabama. Faulkner is a sister school to uh, Lubbock Christian. Rob has been there for 10 years. It's not possible because I'm far too young to have had former students who have been teaching somewhere for 10 years, but alas, he's been there for 10 years and has done a wonderful job uh, in that community. He's a very uh, a, a prolific scholar, someone who's written widely about important topics, a very uh, popular teacher at, uh, at, the, at Faulkner University. And he recently was named Vice Dean of the Law School and uh, is uh, stepping into an administrative role. We're thankful for that. Wants to uh, have the chance to uh, share with us today and hopefully to meet some of you who might be interested in law school but don't know it yet. Some of you may know you're interested in law school. Some of you may just not know what you're going to do after you uh, uh, leave this wonderful place. And uh, Rob would love to have the chance to visit with you about the opportunities available at, uh, at Faulkner University. They are uh, really offering some uh, some scholarships to, uh, to students like you that they would love to be a part of their community. And so if you have any interest in that, I hope you'll take advantage of his time. He'll be here with us the rest of the afternoon. You could see him after chapel, or you could come at 1 o'clock to the uh, Baker Conference Center at the uh, tail end of the, uh, the uh, career fair, that the criminal justice career fair we're having today. If you'd like to hear from Rob, he's going to speak for a few minutes about Faulkner and opportunities there at 1 o'clock today in the Baker Conference Center. So I would encourage you to do that. Rob's father, Bill. McFarland is an LCU alum, and Rob is a graduate himself of Oklahoma Christian University and then Pepperdine University School of Law, where he was probably the single greatest student advocate that I ever had the chance to work with, someone who was not only a great student, but also a very capable and successful advocate in both mock trial and appellate advocacy competitions. So it's my great privilege to give you Rob McFarland. Good morning. Thank you. If you have your Bibles, if you will open them to Esther chapter 4, we'll be looking at uh, Esther's story in just a moment. But I want to say thanks to President Perrin for the invitation to be here with you this morning. Our new dean, Matt Vega, is a graduate of uh, Freed Hardman University and Yale Law School. Matt is a friend of mine, and Matt and I, over the past couple of months, have uh, we sat down and we have a new Faith in Law Scholarship Initiative, which I'm here to talk about which we're rolling out only to our sister colleges. And as we got out the list of places to go, I put Lubbock at the top of my list. I wanted to come here. This is a special place for me. This is a special school, as you know. I was reminded uh, yesterday, driving through Texas, of how big things are in Texas, including Texas. Um, it's good to be back in Texas. I practiced law in Dallas. I clerked for Edith Jones, who's formerly the chief of the Fifth Circuit. Her chambers are in Houston. Um, so it's good to be back. I'm still an active member of the state bar here. We'd be happy to talk to you about opportunities to practice law here in Texas or elsewhere today. But that's really not why I'm here. I'm here for two reasons today. I want to do two things. And both of these things are big because, as I saw from everything from the thunderstorms to the hailstones, to the traffic accidents, to the traffic jams, to the windmills, everything is big in Texas. So I'm going to go big today. First of all, I'm going to make an offer. I'm here today to offer $1 million. And I'm serious about that. Secondly, 
I'm going to issue a challenge, a challenge that's larger than the money that I'm offering. But before we get to that, I want to look with you briefly at Esther chapter 4. And I don't know if you know the story of Esther. If you don't, get in the Word. This story you need to know because the themes of this story resonate so much with who we are, where we're living, what we're dealing with. If you don't know the story, Esther is a Jew, but the king of the land that is holding the Jewish people captive doesn't know that. Esther's people are being held captive, as the Jews often were, but things are about to get really rough for them because one of their enemies, Haman, is one of the king's men. And Haman has a long-standing hatred of the Jews, which if you know Bible history goes way back to when the Jews first entered Canaan and did not comply with God's commandments. Haman convinces the king to use the king's authority to sign an edict, which in essence is a genocide edict. It's an edict to wipe out the Jewish people and its lawful permission to both murder and plunder those who were Jews simply because they were Jews. And in chapter 4, this great chapter of God's word, we learn that Esther's uncle, Mordecai, a Jew as well, rips his clothes in mourning. How can this be happening to God's people? And in verse 8, he remembers that his niece has found her way into the palace His niece is now the queen, but the king doesn't know she's a Jew. And so Mordecai urges Esther to go into the king and tell him that the order he has just signed is a death sentence for her people. And I want you to look at verse 11 this morning. If you have your Bibles open, Esther chapter 4, verse 11. Esther receives this word from her uncle. And she's put in a sort of tension that maybe we can relate to, as I hope you'll see today. She says in verse 11, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that for any man or woman to come into the king, to the inner court, unannounced and unsummoned, the king has but one law, that that person be put to death. Esther is a law-abiding citizen. The law says you shall not approach the king. But see, Esther loves her people. What is she going to do? I don't know whether you've thought about law very much. At our law school, of course, we think about it a great deal. We talk about it. Law has the power to shape culture. And culture every day shapes conduct. And you see it here in the Esther narrative. The king has issued a command. He's issued several commands, in fact. We learn of two. One, the Jews are going to be killed. Two, you shall not approach the king unless summoned. And you see how this law is affecting Esther's life. She has a choice to make. I'm going to come back to Esther in just a moment. But before that, let's get on with what I know that maybe you're interested in. Let that $1 million thing. It's my pleasure on behalf of Faulkner University to offer to you today 10 scholarships valued at $100,000, a little more than that each, full-ride scholarships to our law school. This offer is only available. You're the third school to hear of it. This offer is only available to students presently enrolled in our sister colleges. 
Now, there are a couple of catches. You have to score a 155 or better on the LSAT. That's just slightly above the national average, and I can tell you you're not going to get a full ride offer elsewhere at that level. We're, we're, we're dipping a bit lower in our, our LSAT standards because we don't believe the LSAT is the complete measure of a person. Secondly, you need to have maintained a 3.0 or better GPA here. If you don't quite meet those standards, come see me, please. I hope the next part of this message will inspire you to do so. We have other scholarship offers available at near full tuition, specifically tailored to our sister colleges. I'm going to be speaking more about these offers at the events later today. I'll be down here in the corner after chapel. But this is our first year to make this offer, and I want to tell you that um, you should take it seriously. This is a substantial investment on our part in you, and now I want to move on and tell you why we're doing it. The Faith and Law Scholars Program that we're rolling out is intended to help us attract young men and women who take their faith seriously and want to take their faith with them into their professional life. And I want to tell you of a danger that often comes up in Christian communities. It's a danger to retire to the palace. The danger is that we withdraw from the world around us and polish, and polish the palace walls that we put more emphasis on being doctrinally sound and pure than being in the world, taking the gospel message with us. I don't know if you're considering law school or not. I'm hoping to reach, in fact, those of you who are not considering it. I saw that the career day tomorrow is for behavioral and social sciences. Let me tell you, there are plenty of opportunities with that background for individuals with a JD. Just in my city, I work with the prison ministry there, and I work with behavioral scientists in that ministry. One of them has a JD and is doing powerful work in the state of Alabama to look at alternative ways to treat especially drug-related offenses, look at alternative ways to unpack our crowded prisons, look at alternative ways to save lives. But I want to tell you that the danger of withdrawing to our churches is a danger that has not always been present even in our brotherhood. I want to show you a few slides to show you what I mean. First of all, I don't know if you know who this is. Probably not. It's an old portrait. This is a special day in June 1850, and the man presented speaking is Alexander Campbell. He was summoned to Washington, D.C. to do something that very few people other than the President of the United States have ever done. He addressed a joint session of Congress. In the House of Representatives on a June Sunday morning, Alexander Campbell delivered a gospel sermon. His text that day was John 3.17. I know you know John 3.16. Yes? For God so loved the church. I'm sorry, the world. I bet you don't know what John 3.17 says. Go look it up after chapel today. Campbell's message had an effect in the real world. And that effect, in, in fact, regarded the state of Texas. Congress was about to go to war. A war was about to be declared. And the, the subject was Texas and the Western Territories. Some of you know this history. The question is whether they would come in as free or slave. And it was heading, that debate was heading us into civil war rapidly. And I dare say, knowing the history myself, had we headed into the Civil War in 1850, the result may not have been the same. 
Campbell's message focused on the unity of all men in Christ. And his message had the effect of leading to the passage of the Compromise Act of 1850. Fascinating history. History brought about because faith was brought into the public square. Let's move into this century, shall we? I don't know if you know who this man is. I bet you know who the woman is. This is Rosa Parks. One of the beautiful things about teaching in Montgomery, Alabama, is legal history is all around us. We take field trips down to the National Civil Rights Museum. But more importantly, the man next to her is formerly on the Faulkner Board of Trustees. He was chairman of the law school committee and helped us over the past 10 years design our program. His name is Fred Gray. Mr. Gray is a gospel minister, a Church of Christ minister. He's also a lawyer. He was Rosa Parks' lawyer. He was also the lawyer for Martin Luther King. And he was a lawyer that took several significant cases all the way to the United States Supreme Court. Mr. Gray speaks on our campus usually once a year. We have an annual symposium named after him, the Fred Gray Symposium, in which we look at civil rights through the lens of faith. This fall marks the 500th anniversary of the Magna Carta and the 50th anniversary of the, the Selma to Montgomery March. We're celebrating those anniversaries by looking at the natural rights tradition that connects them both and nature's God. You see, lawyers have a message about the source of all law, that unless we have believers in our courtrooms, in our boardrooms, in our legislators, legislatures, in our White House, God's law tends to be forgotten. I was looking last night out my window at Hobby Lobby, staying over at NBC Suites here, and there it was. It's funny because I already had this slide prepared. Those of you who are doing your shopping at Hobby Lobby, you better do it quickly because the stores may be closed this July. The owners of Hobby Lobby, the Green Brothers, are Christians. They founded their company intended in part to promote Christian values. The Affordable Care Act, passed into law just a few years ago, mandates that all public companies in the country provide uh, contraception together with abortifacient drugs, both. Abortifacient drugs are drugs that terminate pregnancies. National law now requires Hobby Lobby and every other public company in the country to fund the program that provides these drugs. And the Green Brothers object. They say that we cannot, in good conscience, comply with the law. And they've taken their case all the way to the United States Supreme Court. It was argued last week. The young woman pictured here is Lori Wyndham. She's a member of the Churches of Christ, and she was lead counsel in the Hobby Lobby case. She's a graduate of Abilene Christian University. She's a friend. I can tell you that we need more lawyers like Lori prepared on the convictions of faith to enter courtrooms that are part of the world. Lori was in the Supreme Court as the case was being argued, and she needs more people like you to join her there. One more slide to show you, and then we'll be close to being done. Just next door here in the state of New Mexico, you may have heard of this young woman. Her name is Elaine. She runs a photography business. My wife is a photographer, so I'm inter very interested in this. 
Elaine's uh, style, if you go to her website, is a photojournalistic style. She views photography as an art form. And she views her abilities. Some of you may be artists and understand exactly what she's talking about. You all know people who think they can be photographers because they can shoot a picture. Maybe that describes you. It's not that easy. She produces works of art. She was approached by a same-sex couple and asked to photograph their wedding in New Mexico, and she declined, not wanting her artwork to promote same-sex unions. And so what did they do in America? Of course, you sued her. And they won. They won at the New Mexico Human Rights Convention. She took her case all the way to the New Mexico Supreme Court, affirming the lower court's rulings, forcing her to pay fines. Just this morning, the United States Supreme Court declined to hear her case, and the fines will stand. The man next to her is a man that in the December 2013 edition of the Christian Chronicle, some of you may read that, featured a story on Judge Tabor in the state of Washington. He is a Church of Christ elder and also a sitting judge. He refused to perform a same-sex ceremony. There were other judges available, other justices of the peace. He refused. He did not want to promote same-sex unions. He didn't want to interfere, but he didn't want to promote. And for that, he was officially sanctioned by the state of Washington. The Mozilla symbol's up here because maybe you've heard just last week, Brandon Icke, the CEO and one of the co-founders of Mozilla, was forced out of CEO, his CEO position simply because he donated $1,000 to the Proposition 8 campaign in California. My friends, neutral ground is rapidly disappearing. And we're approaching a point where we must choose. Will we comply with the law or not? Now here's why I'm here today. Matters of law and justice are matters that have forever been very difficult to think through, especially in the public square. And I bet in this room there are different opinions this morning. It's funny, I can ask this question, how many of you would go see a doctor who tells you that they've never received any training, but he's always wanted to do an appendectomy, so here we go. Are you going to sign up for that? One of my favorite episodes of The Office, in fact, involves Dwight Schrute getting in there ready to do a tracheotomy. And he had to be pulled off because he had no training. And the last thing that you want someone to do is shove a straw through your throat if they have no training. But for some reason, when it comes to law politics, we seem to think that everyone can do it. Actually, I want to urge you to come receive training from a faculty of Christian men and women, a faculty assembled to provide purposeful, integrated training in faith and law. Let us guide you through some of the most significant debates of our time so you can be prepared to guide others through them as well. I've talked about big issues today, but let me mention one small, smaller issue. Do you know who most needs a lawyer? I guarantee you that there are hundreds of people here in Lubbock that need a lawyer and cannot afford one. Law school debt has a lot to do with that, and we're trying to eliminate it. 
But you talk to anyone who's in a family dispute trying to adopt a child, they need a lawyer. You talk to someone who's approaching end-of-life issues, they need a lawyer. We hope to equip you with the skills necessary to be that lawyer. Now back to the Esther story and then we'll conclude. What choice did Esther make? There's a fascinating verse at the end of Esther chapter 4. Esther prayed about Mordecai's request and she made a decision. In verse 16, she says to her uncle, Go assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days or nights. I'll do the same. And thus I will go into the king, which is not according to his law. And if I perish, I perish. This is a young woman who's made a decision to put her life on the line. And my friends, that's what Christ means when he calls us to take up his cross, our cross, and follow him. He wants us to follow him into the world to show the love of God to all men. And I want to help you become the sort of attorney who can make that happen in our courtrooms, our boardrooms, our public school uh, boardrooms, in, in our district attorney's offices, our public defender's offices, all around the country. If you're interested in this offer, please come and see me today at 1 o'clock, and uh, we'll, I'll be glad to tell you a little bit more about it. Thank you for your kind attention today.